Come on, we got a lot of stuff happening here, so I encourage you, get plugged in. Don't get scared about LSD. It's going to be a great series, and so you want to come back for that, and uh, it's going to be about a four-week series, and just really looking at, at relationships. Today, I'm going to jump into the Word. We've been in a series called Flip the Script, and how many know that, that Easter Sunday, that Resurrection Sunday is the greatest uh, script flipped ever that Jesus did? He rose from the grave. Come on, somebody. He's alive today. He is, he is working in your life, and uh, I believe that he's going to do something in your heart life today. God's put a word on my heart, and uh, I believe that uh, it's really going to change your life. I'm going to jump right into the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15 and then in Ephesians 2, 1. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is debating about resurrection with some Christians, some believers that are, are saying, you know, I'm not sure if there's a resurrection. I'm not sure if Christ is risen. And so Paul's kind of giving them a backdrop of the gospel and that Christ is risen. And if he isn't risen, then, we're, then, then our faith is, is pointless, really. He's, he's kind of sharing. And then Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to give you a little picture of what uh, the resurrection has done for us. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 17. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Ephesians 2, 1 kind of changes that whole picture. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. There's the, there's the whole point that God, there's the whole gospel that God made us alive, that you and I are alive. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised up together. Again, it's talking about being raised from the dead, raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My title for today is All Inclusive. Come on, somebody say all inclusive. Let me pray with you real quick. Father, thank you so much for your, your, your gift of salvation. Thank you for the gift of resurrection. Thank you for the, the whole point of resurrection that you've made us alive and to sit together with you. And it's all inclusive today in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said all-inclusive. My family and I uh, went to the Bahamas several years ago, and um, we saved up and saved up and saved up and went to this little resort in, in, in the Exumas, and uh, we took the kids, and now I say I'll never take the kids international anywhere again. The kids get Florida. That's it. They ain't going anywhere else like that because they wanted to be inside watching MTV, and we wanted to be on the beach and all that. Not my daughter. She wanted to be out and about, but when we went, uh, our resort was not all-inclusive. And so we, we spent a certain amount of money to get there, plane tickets, somebody. We spent a certain amount of money to, to, to budget for the event and for the trip. We we're there for about a week. And uh, everything else there costs money. Like if you wanted a pool towel, like $29, sir. I'm like, a pool towel? My kid's like, can we get a towel? No, air dry, air dry right now, air dry. If you wanted, if you wanted some, somebody said, that's right. If you wanted, if you wanted uh, to eat anything, like a milkshake, like $22, my kid's like, can we get milkshake? Can we put it on the room? No, like you can't. We're going fishing right now. We're going to catch our dinner right now. Everything, but right around the bay, right around the curve, we shared a beach with this, with this other resort, a sandals, all inclusive. I just, I would look down there and their hair just blew in the wind different. You know what I mean? It's just. They're just frolicking. Their laughter was louder. They're like, oh, <laughs> just all inclusive now. Everything's paid for, you know? And so I'm looking at that. And I'm like, what would it be like, dear? You know, and they're enjoying that. And I go play golf one day and uh, I'm with a couple and uh, their mother, she's about 85, we're playing golf. And, and uh, they're, they're, I'm like, yeah, where are y'all standing? They're like, oh, we're at the all inclusive. I'm like, of course you are. 
And they're like, yeah, everything's paid for. Golf balls are paid for. All everything, food, everything's paid for. You. They're like, hey, we get about five holes in. They're like, would you like a beer? I'm like, well, uh, uh, I, you know, I can't. I don't have any money. Like, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. You know, I don't. I don't want to impose. Oh no, it's all included. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. They're like, no, 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 go ahead. Have, you know, I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. And they're like, no, no. He's and the guy goes, matter of fact, matter of fact, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. He's like, our room number is 7255. He goes, we've got like seven pools on our resort. I'm like, I'm sure you do. He goes, they're all included. He's like, just go to one of those pools with you and your family and 7255. And you just tell them, they're not gonna know. Just, 70, just say 7255 and put all the drinks and all the food and anything you'd like on our room. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, Jesus. I get back to the condo. I tell my wife, babe, they're room number 7255. She's like, what are you talking about? It's all inclusive. She said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> that all inclusive spirit jumping on me, man. I was ready to go there. If I had been in college, it'd have been over somebody. Come on, any young people with me in that? We'd have been all up. Come on, we'd have been all up in that pool, right? What God is saying is that the resurrection is all inclusive that you don't have to keep tiptoeing around in your daily life, like how much is this gonna cost me? How much is joy gonna cost me? How much is freedom gonna cost me? Oh, I messed up with this little bit of sin. Oh, that's really gonna cost me. No, 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 God's saying it's all inclusive. You've been risen from the dead with God. He's paid the bill and you don't need to tiptoe around the rest of your life daily wondering if the resurrection has a ramification for your daily life. There's no, there's no debate that Jesus was a real guy. There's plenty of witnesses. There's eyewitness accounts. 500 people saw him risen from the dead. There's, there's no debate if he was a historical figure. The debate is, was he God? And did he come to life and raise us from the dead? And will we understand the ramifications of that resurrection daily in our life? Will we understand that it's all inclusive, that we don't have to pay the bill ourselves, And will we accept it and remember what Jesus paid for? Here's the reality. It's the centrality of the gospel. It's, the, it's everything to our faith. Today, we know what today is. Today's the day the earth shook and the, the tomb was, was, was opened and the stone was rolled away and the angels visited and, and, and they declared a message and, and, and Satan was, was taken advantage of and his authority was stripped from him and Jesus marched through the heavens and, and declared and deranked all of Satan and all of his powers, dethroned and deranked him and then Jesus paraded across heaven with all the saints from the ages old and he sat down on the throne of God in his rightful place to rule and reign with grace and love and mercy and prayer for us daily. That's what today is. But often, listen to me, oftentimes we leave God in the grave. We, we, we don't live like he's a reality in our daily life. We, we know the story and we have a great day today, but resurrection is a reality every single day of our life. And I just, I just want us to understand that it's all-inclusive. There's nothing worse than going to an all-inclusive resort and not knowing it until the end of the trip. You mean it was all paid for? You mean I was looking at lobster and I could have had my, you know, I, you mean, how, how bad would it be to get through this life and get to heaven and realize it's been an all-inclusive journey? And we're like, you mean you, we could have had joy, we could have had forgiveness, I could have let that bitterness go. I could have actually forgiven. Like I could have, you mean you paid for it, God? You mean, and, and I think sometimes we leave God in the grave by the way we understand him in our daily walk. 
I want to go through three scenarios, three pictures of, of, of some disciples that left God in the grave. And then I want to give you uh, what Jesus did, a couple words that he did to flip the script on them leaving him in the grave. This is right after resurrection. He's come back from the dead. I'm going to give you three little pictures in John and then in, in Matthew and then one in, um, I think, Luke. And so these three pictures are just a picture of resurrection and how his disciples reacted and then what he did. In John 20, we know the story. Mary and some others go looking for Jesus. They go out early in the morning. They're bringing spices to anoint the dead body because that's what you did and they wanted to anoint him and they get there the tomb is rolled away they're they're they're, they're freaked out because he's gone he's he they don't know what that really means they've, they've been hoping and, and dreaming about who he is and now he's gone and so so mary runs and tells the other disciples peter and, and john peter and john come running and they run into the tomb they see that he's not there it says they see and believe in john they see and believe but but they don't really fully believe because it says in verse 9 john 29 it says that they don't really understand the scriptures yet this is what it says it says they still did not understand from scripture that jesus had to rise from the dead verse 10 then the disciples went back to where they were staying verse 11 this is what i want you to see now mary stood outside the tomb crying and she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one on the head and one on the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I do not know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was him. She did not realize it was him. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she gets an attitude and says, sir, where have you taken him away? Tell me if you, where you put him. I'll get him myself. Verse six, Jesus said, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognized him. The scene is crazy. All of her hopes and dreams. She runs to the tomb. He's not there. She goes and tells Peter and John. They run in. They see that he's not there. They leave. She stays. She gets an attitude, looks at the gardener. Angels show up and start having a conversation with her. And she has so much grief and so much sadness in her life. She doesn't even recognize this supernatural moment. Like she's talking with angels like it's normal. Like she, she's missing this supernatural moment because of this grief. Jesus shows up, sneaks up behind her and says, hey, Mary, who are you looking for? She says, hey, I'm looking for Jesus. He says her name and then all of a sudden, boom, as, as he says her name, she recognizes him and goes, oh, teacher, everything changes, the whole story changes. Number one, the first thing you need to know, grief keeps God in the grave. Grief in your life keeps God in the grave. I'm not saying we don't grieve over things, but a constant grief in your life, a constant grieving, a daily grieving, God paid for your grief. He paid, it's all inclusive and grief actually keeps God in the grave. Sadness in your life and mourning in your life make you not see the Savior clearly. Mary couldn't see the Savior clearly. She's sad, she's mourning. It's supposed to be this resurrection day. I remember my first girlfriend, fifth grade, come on somebody, Lindley. Oh my goodness. She checked the box, yes. Uh-huh, yes or no. We were together two full days. Broke my heart. She broke up with me after day two. Fifth grade, love of my life. Day two, dumped me. I'm weeping at home. I'm talking about lip quiver weeping. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you could suffocate from that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm crying and my whole life is ruined. Like she, and, and, and I mourned two times as long as the relationship, four days I mourned. But after day four, the grief lifted and I saw Robin. 
Come on, somebody. My whole life changed. I dated Robin and I began to, Robin, come on, change my whole, my first love, my first kiss, my first handhold. Come on, my first arm around. Change the love of my life. We went for a whole month together. Come on. But, but the grief, I would have never seen Robin if the grief hadn't left my life. Some of you have so much grief in your life, you can't see what God's saying to you right now. You can't see Jesus standing right there. You can't see Jesus standing right up on the situation, right up in your marriage, right up in your business, right up in your school worries, right up in your bill worry. You can't see him because you've got this grief. You've got this morning. And I know, listen, just because Jesus is alive doesn't mean that life is easy, but it means it's possible. And today, I think God wants to flip the script on some things where you're grieving or you're, you're mourning. And I believe that God's saying, you know what? You don't have to be in grief. You don't have to be mourning any longer. Here's how Jesus changes the story. He says her name. He just says, Mary. The minute he says her name, she recognizes him. He recognizes her before she recognizes him. Listen to me, listen to me. The recognition of Jesus in your life brings revelation of who he is. And this morning, God's saying some of your names. He's saying, John, Susan, Mark. What he's saying to Mary, what he's saying is, Mary, I know your situation. When he says her name, he's saying, I know your situation. I know your grief. I know your sorrow. I know you still got me in the grave, but I conquered the grave and I'm involved in your story and you don't have to stay in grief any longer that you actually can know me and things can change and the script can change. The empty tomb stands alone. I know you're facing insurmountable odds. Listen, I don't know what you're facing, but God conquered death. He's saying, I got it. I know your name. I know your situation. He flips the script. And I believe when he does that, when he calls your name, grief goes to glory. I promise you, if you'll listen for your name to be called by him, every bit of grief in your life is changed into the glory God has for your life. And all of a sudden you begin to see something in your story that's new. Matthew 28, five through 10 the first thing that keeps God in the grave is grief. God changes that to glory in our life. He wants to speak your name today. This is a different picture of the same story. Matthew 28, 5 through 10, 16 and 17. Then the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where they lay him. Then, the go, then go quickly and tell the disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I've told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. He ran, they, they ran and told the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, and he said, they came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Verse 16 and 17. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, listen to this, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Grief will keep God in the grave. Doubt will keep God in the grave. Doubt. They, they, here's these boys, these disciples that had, had seen Jesus. This picture of the story. So basically Mary uh, and, and some women run down to the grave and, and it's a different picture. They all go together and the stone is rolled away. The angels show up. They, Mary goes and tells Peter and John. Peter and John come, they see, they leave. And then they, these other women show up. There's about five of them all together. The angels declare that, that God's risen to them. Now these other women begin to leave. Mary stays at the grave. Jesus shows up to Mary individually. And then Jesus shows up to the other women on the road back when they're going to tell the disciples. Then Mary runs and tells the disciples. These women tell the disciples and all through the scriptures, it, it recounts that the disciples thought they were full of it. The disciples are like, this is crazy. 
There's no way he's alive. Luke 24, it says they thought it was nonsense. In 16 and 17, they actually hear the story from these women. They see the grave closed. They see the empty grave. They go out to the, to the mountain where they say they see some worshiped and others doubted. After all of that, like it blows my mind that these guys had stories from seven ladies that they had known their whole life. Listen to me, that they had trusted, that they had believed in that they saw their character, they knew these women, they had seen eyewitness accounts of an empty tomb and they still doubted. And come on, some of y'all have heard people tell stories about what God did in their life. Well, I know that's good for you. I, I know you say that Jesus is alive in your situation. I know God restored your marriage. I know God got you off drugs. I know God got you from, for, free from perversion. I know God got in your story, but he's not really alive in my story. I don't really think he can do all that in my story because it's been over and over and over. I've been let down over and over and over and I just don't think God can do that. That's great for your story. And I think sometimes we refuse to let Jesus be alive in our story because of doubt. And we get kind of just through the motions of, you know, hey, it's another Easter and, you know, it's gonna be the same. And man, I, I, don't, I don't want doubt to leave Jesus in the grave in my own life. Uh, these men had seen everything and they're still doubting. Sometimes doubt will leave him in the grave. My grandparents, I remember when I got saved, but I, I was the worst of sinners. I, I, was, I was addicted. I was a drug addict. I was a drug dealer. I was perverted, selfish, self-centered, lying, stealing, thieving, pointless, no purpose in my life, going the wrong direction. I, I, I was a chief of messes, a sinner of sinners, not caring, not knowing. Uh, just, just no direction, depressed, discouraged, down. And, and I got saved. I remember give, giving my life to Christ. And my grandparents, they didn't believe in Jesus. They had this doubt in their life. And I went and I told my grandparents what, what God had done in my life. I was like, man, Jesus did this in my life. And they're like, that's sure, that sweet little girlfriend Sandra really changed his life. And that girl's really changed his life. I'm like, man, What? I'm like, God did this and this and this in my life and changed my heart. I was this and now I'm this. He's like, oh, that's sweet Sandra. My grandmother, I remember, is always like, that's sweet Sandra. I'm like, man, she's fine. And she's hot. And she's all that, the bag of chips, and I'm going to marry her, but she ain't that. She ain't all that. She can't, she can't rip out this stale, dead heart and change it and bring it to life. And I think so often we doubt that God can actually do the miracle in our own life and change the situation in our own hearts. And I just want to say to you today that God's alive in your situation. You do not have to doubt that he will do it, that he wants to do it, that he wants to show up and do a miracle in your life. Matthew 28, 18 says that I've been given all authority. This is the script that Jesus says right after they doubt. Some worshiped, some doubted. And in Matthew 28, 18, we get the great commission. I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He, he, he speaks about his authority and they go from doubting to discipleship. His authority will actually take you today from doubting his authority not, not, any, but not your husband's authority, not your wife's authority, not the school's authority, not the governmental authority. Jesus says, behold, I've been given all authority. Go, therefore. They go from doubting to destiny. By his authority, by his authenticity, 
by his word. I mean, God wants to speak some things into your situation today where you go from doubting to discipleship. Have you ever been a doubter and you became a disciple? Come on, essential oil people, where you at? I'm still a doubter. CBD oil people, come on, y'all are disciples. Like, it cures everything. I give it to my dog in the storm and they're out cold, you know. It's like, like CBD, you know, rub it on my toes. I remember my wife used to put essential oil on my kids' toes. Peace and calming. I'm like, my God, they got greasy toes. They're in school, they're going to get beat up. You know, I mean... I mean, it was just like, you go from, I, I was a doubter in certain things and became a disciple. I wrote some things down that I was a doubter. Come on, until I got my first Apple product, I was a doubter. Come on, somebody. I'll never go back, right? Mustard-based barbecue sauce, total doubter. Anybody had it? Go to South Carolina. I'm a believer from now on, right? Come on, massages, I was a doubter. Mm, don't touch me, you're a stranger. I don't want, I had a massage. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Everywhere we go on a vacation, I've got to get a massage. I get two massages. We need massages. We need couples massages. Remember, we went to Hawaii that one time. We're getting massages together. I was just, it's just, I got, I'm a believer. I'm a disciple of massages now, right? Come on. Chiropractic. I'm a, I'm a disciple now of chiropractic. Used to say no way until they saved my back, somebody, right? Three in one body wash. Anybody? Come on. I'm a disciple. Yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> Come on, you got, you're with me. Here's the thing. I was a doubter, but someone's authority, something that changed my life, something that worked in my life changed and brought me to be a disciple. And God has authority in your life today. And whatever area you're, dis- you're doubting in, he really wants to change the story and take you from doubt to destiny in certain areas. Would you let him have authority? Do you allow him to say, behold, I've been given all authority. He's been risen. You've doubted in areas, but God's saying, I've got authority. Go therefore and be bold. Make disciples. Make disciples. Go from doubting to discipleship in your life. And then John 20, one through through four, last thought. And then I wanna pray with you today. It says this, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus goes gangster on them. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was him. Number three, regret keeps God in the grave. Grief keeps God in the grave, doubt keeps God in the grave, and regret keeps God in the grave. Here's Peter, he'd had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus is risen from the dead. All the disciples have been encountering Jesus. Jesus breathes on them in John 20. They get saved, they're they're born again. Peter gets a personal invitation from God. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He's been invited into life, invited into the gospel, and now all of a sudden the Bible recounts that he gets discouraged and he says, you know what, I'm going fishing. I think he begins to rehearse and regret all the mistakes that he made in his life. He says, I know Jesus has saved me. I know he's who he said he is. I've seen him, but, but now I've got regret. I mean, I remember that night that I, 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 said, I said I wanted him not to go to the cross and he called me Satan that time. I remember that. Like I thought we were kind of on the same page together. And then there's that night I fell asleep praying. I mean, I ate too much hummus and pita bread. And I just kind of snoozed out. And Jesus is like, couldn't you stay awake and pray? And then I remember like, I, oh yeah, I cut the guy's ear off. I did that. Chopped his ear. I had a little fit of anger and killed that dude's ear. And Jesus just stuck it right back on. I just, and then I denied him three times like he said I would. I mean, I can't even serve God. I've messed up so many times. I don't even think it's worth it. I'm going fishing. 
He gets into this moment of regret and he starts rehearsing these failures and mistakes, even though he's been invited by God, even though he knows God came to life, even though God's breathed on him with his spirit, he's full of the spirit, he's born again, he's full of life and he begins to regret and regret drives him out into isolation, depression on some boat away from his calling. He's supposed to be a fisher of men and he's out there fishing for a catch and he doesn't know what to do. Many theologians believe that the other disciples that went with him weren't going to go fishing. They believed that he, they were on a suicide watch for Peter. They believed that Peter was so discouraged and so depressed that those other guys were out there with him to make sure he didn't do anything drastic out there on the boat. They came around him that night and they're full of regret and all of a sudden Jesus shows up on the shore and they don't recognize Jesus. I just wanna to propose to you that regret will have you not recognized Jesus in your life? If you begin to keep rehearsing like who you used to be, I wrote this down, it might be on the screen. Don't allow regret to make you rehearse who you used to be. But remind yourself who God's called you to be. Regret today, listen, regret's been paid. It's all inclusive. Regret's been paid for and regret will blind you from resurrection. So often we live in these regrets and the reality is Jesus said, no, 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 put it on my room number. It's room 7255. It's called resurrection. Charge it to my account, past, present, and future. Jesus flips the script here and changes it by verse five. He's on the shore, they don't recognize him, and he shouts out, they're full of regret. He says, hey boys, he says, hey children. The Bible says children, but he really, it's translated, hey young bucks. Hey, hey dudes, hey youngins. Caught anything? <laughs> I mean, look at God, he's so gangster. Like they've been fishing all night, hadn't caught nothing. Like Jesus is like, how's it going? Caught anything outside of your calling? No, no, I know you're frustrated. No, I, I know that you're out there in isolation and depression. I know that you're running from your calling. I know you got a lot of regrets, but here I am on the shore. You're like, hey, you caught anything? How's it going for you? How far has regret gotten you? And they're like, no, we ain't caught anything. And this is what he says. The caring savior says, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat. They cast it on the other side of the boat. They bring in the biggest harvest of fish they could catch. And in that instant, they go, Jesus. They, they see him. Listen to me. His care, his care for them keeps them casting. His care for them keeps them from quitting. His care for them keeps them from quitting on their calling. God's care for you today, I know some of you wanna quit. I know some of you are like, you know what, I regret. I'm out here, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing in this Christianity thing. I know some of you are like done casting. You're done casting on your marriage. You're done casting on, on, your, on your dream. You're done casting on that desire. You're done putting the net out. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. Keep, keep casting. Keep casting your nets. I promise you, he cares for you today. He would have, why would he go out to those guys and say, cast your net if he didn't care? They go from regret to reward. They pull in the biggest harvest of reward they've ever caught. And they go from this moment of regret to re reward in their life. I was, I'm gonna tell one last story and I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna sing a song here at the end and I believe God's gonna bring some things out of the grave from your life. I, I believe he's gonna change some things. Some of us have left God in the grave through grief, doubt, and regret. I think God's gonna change some of that today. And I just wanna prepare your heart for that because he wants to bring some things to life today, I promise you, supernaturally. I was in Montana two times fly fishing. One time I had an okay guide, he, he wasn't that great. And when we got done fishing, we didn't catch a whole lot, it was cold. He's like, okay, we're done. And we go on in. 
But the second trip I went on, I had a guy, and his name was Danny. Danny was from Montana, knew that river like the back of his hand, grew up fishing on that river. And we were cold, we were regretting, like even going on the trip, it was the last day, we'd caught nothing. And Danny's like, you know, hey, we're gonna be all right. And I said, no, 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 let's go on in. I'm, this is like, it's cold, it's, it's kind of starting to rain, it's free. He's like, no, 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 y'all are, gonna, y'all are gonna leave with some fish. He's like, I know right where they are. He's like, right up here around the bend, there's this little twig hanging over the side of the bank. I'm like, dude, this is a jungle right there. Like, how do you know the one? He's like, that one little branch that's leaning right over the, you, I want to put this lure on, fix your thing. And he starts changing the bait and changing the flies and putting new stuff on. He's like, right there. And he gets, he's excited. Like he's done this trip a thousand, hundred thousand times. Like you're going to catch something right there. And I start casting again. I'm ready to, I go from wanting to quit to casting again. I'm like, ah, ah, yeah. And, I, and I'm getting in and he's like, he's like, right there. You're going to catch something. I have about three trips. He's rowing the boat back up the stream. Okay, just wait. And he's so excited. And all of a sudden, boom, we start hitting fish, start catching fish. I'm like, ah, yeah. I go from regret to reward. I go from quitting to casting because of the care of my guide. I just want to encourage you today. Jesus knows exactly what turn you're in. He knows exactly the bend of your drive home. He knows right where you need to cast your hope, right where you need to cast your care today. He knows exactly what you need to believe for. And he's saying, I care about you. Keep casting on your marriage. Come on. Keep putting the net back out in your dream. He's out of the grave. He's alive. I refuse to leave God in the grave in areas of my life any longer. He wants to get involved. Would you stand to your feet with me? As we close today, listen to me. Jesus, the Bible records, was not buried in a graveyard. The Bible records that he was placed in a garden tomb. Why does it record that he's in a garden? Because dead things don't come out of gardens. Only living things come out of gardens. So today, God wants to bring some things to life from the garden of your life. I know 2020, listen to me. I I know everybody's tired of hearing about 2020. I'm gonna talk about 2021. You felt like stuff's buried in 2021. It's been dark. It's been damp. It's been under the soil. It's been under the depths of your hopes and dreams. You feel like, oh, it's over. It's buried. It's dead. No, no, no. God says it's just planted. And planted things come to life. Living things come out of gardens. I believe that God's gonna change a graveyard into a garden right now. Come on, open up your heart and let God get out of the grave for a moment. Let him breathe into your scenario. Come on, God, thank you for turning mourning into joy.